Duke Divinity School professor Kate Bowler recently interviewed a professor from Candler School of Theology, Thomas Long, on her Everything Happens podcast. Long not only teaches preaching, but he has also written a book about how to conduct a Christian funeral. And so Kate zeroed in on some of his scholarship, asking what is it about what a pastor does at a funeral that is different than other things a pastor typically does. Long didn't skip a beat before responding how there are two preachers at every funeral. One of the voices heard is the voice of the pastor, the voice who stands and proclaims the good news, asking the question, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death? Is your sting. But the other voice belongs to capital D death. The one who comes to every funeral, long said, and who also loves to preach. Capital D's sermon is the same at every funeral. Damn every one of you because I win every time. You want the evidence? It's right there. I break all loving relationships. I destroy all community. And you belong to me. I wonder if you have heard the voice of capital D, death. The one who does everything possible to try to convince you that death wins, that death gets the final word. Or maybe, maybe you are acquainted with the accent articulated by some of his siblings, those who use words, who use their voice to try to rob you of hope, increase your despair, or perhaps maybe make you second guess your very worth. What voices within and around you wield the most power? What voices do you work to cultivate because you want to keep on hearing what they say and believe that it is true? And what voices do you seek to silence because you are afraid that what they say may actually be true. The chief priests and Pharisees likely use their voices on Friday afternoon to congratulate one another, to pass a few high fives around, because Jesus, the one who posed such a threat to their power, to their way of life, is finally dead and in the tomb. They're eager to return to their community, to go back to the way things used to be. One with order, 
hierarchy, rewards, honor, good people and bad people, worthy and unworthy, the oppressed and the oppressor. But there's one thing that is holding them back. They cannot seem to shake how they heard Jesus say that he would not only die, but that he would also rise again. And while a dead man coming back to life on the third day sounds much too miraculous to be true, those in power know that if Jesus' words are true, if Jesus has indeed been resurrected from the dead, then nothing will ever be nailed down again. What if it's true? What if it's true? The possibility of people even believing that Jesus can actually be alive again provokes those in control to add another seal around the tomb. Before summoning guards to come and stand at its entrance, these military officials are giving the unluckiest assignment in all of military history because humanity's tools that are produced by fear are never a match for God. Jesus has already been set free and soon a glowing angel is ushered in with an earthquake and reveals how the stone is not only unsealed but completely rolled away with an angel sitting right on top of it. And when it appears that Jesus, who is the one who was presumed to be dead, is very much alive, then the guards, the ones who were presumed to be alive and with power, shake and become like dead men. Everything is being reversed on that first day. This angel then skips right over those who have wielded their fear as an instrument of political power to come close to those who have been controlled and held captive by their power. And those who have been ruled by fear are being invited to personally embrace this newfound freedom. Do not be afraid. The angel tells Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. But go and tell. Go and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead. These are the same women that stood at a distance on Friday because they weren't welcome in the inner circle. These are the same women who have been governed by laws that oppress their voices and never, ever allow them to speak in public. But these women have now been set free from their status as second-class citizens and given authority to preach, to proclaim the greatest story ever told. 
The invitation to use their voices is then reinforced by Jesus himself, who comes and repeats the very same message. Do not be afraid, but go and tell. Some would say that the willingness of these women to find their voice and to go and tell the story is not only a miracle, but also the proof that something significant happened on that first day. The people who have journeyed with Jesus, the peasants, the poor, the marginalized, all who have been stripped of their power are being stripped away and liberated from all that has held them hostage. The voiceless are being given a voice. And meanwhile, those with power are reduced to silence as they recognize how if this story is true, if Jesus actually is alive again, then his liberating power is going to continue to set people free. Liberation is almost always a threat to those who prefer that certain people or certain ideologies remain locked in a tomb. And those in power will sometimes use everything that they have at their disposal to silence any voices that seek to tell the truth. In Matthew's account, we're told that the priest even give the soldiers large sums of money to hush them in exchange to have them lie to come up with the story of how the disciples came and stole Jesus's body from the tomb. Hush money is never used unless someone knows they have something to lose, whether it's personal or political. The chief priests and the Pharisees understand that if Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, then the world order that is based on lies and deceit has lost its authority. And if Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, then they need to re-examine their ways of executing people, even the vilest offenders, because no one is beyond redemption. And if Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, then we too may need to stop killing our enemies and learn how to forgive them. And if Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, then we may also need to reconsider how many tools we have amassed to soothe our fear instead of allowing ourselves to be set free from fear. My former professor, Stanley Hauerwas, notes, that the guards become like dead men indicates the transformation that Jesus' resurrection has affected. Those who thought they were alive now discover that what they took for life is death. 
Jesus' resurrection creates a life free, free from the death that grips our everyday lives. This is life reborn, revealing to us how death has determined our living. And yet, it is still possible to live as though we are dead, to live as dead people, as the behavior of these guards makes clear. So what about us? Do we live as though we are dead? Dead to fear? To distrust? To despair? To shame? Do we live as though we are dead? Or have we instead chosen to accept Jesus' liberating love? To be set free to experience the life that is really life. We're told that the women leave the tomb with both fear and great joy. Their fear isn't a paralyzing fear, but rather a redemptive one that understands how a whole new world has opened before their very eyes. Because love, mercy, justice, and joy are all on the loose. Even the women have been set free to use their gifts. A reality that might make them squeal in utter delight while also quaking in their knees as they try public speaking for the very first time. This past Thursday, those in the majority believed that they could silence former Tennessee State Representatives Justin Jones and Justin J. Pearson, two young black men with powerful voices and a call and claim on their lives to set children free, free from the possibility of another massacre happening in their school. Mr. Jones and Mr. Pearson galvanized a crowd. When they descended into the well of the state legislature's house, shouting no action, no peace, the two men were later voted out of that body for breaking what was called the established decorum. Those in power could not muster the presence of their prophetic witness, a witness that wanted to do whatever it could to be heard as it demanded change. They instead voted to place their voices and what they imagined would be a tomb of silence to seal it 
with a vote. But a little over three days later, millions of people have now not only heard the voices of these two young men, but also know their names and have been emboldened to join their work of ending racism and senseless acts of gun violence. Beloveds, don't you ever doubt that God has a commitment to life, to love, to justice, and that no one, absolutely no one and no vote can ever keep God down. But what about us? What about us personally? Where do you need to be liberated? Where do you need to be set free? Jesus' life and his resurrection represent the depth of God's penetrating love. Love for you. This is the Jesus that left 99 sheep behind to go after just one that was missing. This is the Jesus who plans a party when a child comes home not the child who has done everything right, but the child who has done everything wrong. Welcomed home, not with punishment, but with the grandest party of all time. You are the reason that God's heart beats and sometimes skips a beat. And if there is any voice that is tempting you to believe that you are not beloved, then please put that voice in a tomb and lock it with a seal. Or maybe, just maybe you are seeking to unbuckle yourself from a car where the radio only plays tunes of guilt and shame. Easter offers a powerful reminder that all of us are forgiven that we are forgiven no matter what. And so if you have thoughts that shame or diminish you, then these voices are not of God. Come out of that tomb and lock those voices away forever. Because, beloveds, there is a force that has been set loose in the world and it cannot and never, ever will be contained. Jesus lived and died and rose again, paving the way for us to experience life, a fullness of life on this earth, and a life that is without end when we take our last breath, no matter what age we are when that time 
comes. So why live as though you are dead when you can be set free to live alive? Why allow your voice to be silenced when God is instead saying to you, go, go and tell the story because it is the greatest story that has ever been told. Hope is on the loose. Thanks be to God. Amen.